The Radiant Podcast is a proud member of the Converge Podcast Network. And I want to give a quick shout out to our underwriting ministry partner, First 15. To get deeper into God's Word today, visit first15.org forward slash converge. Now on to today's show. Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Chapman, and if there's one thing I believe, it's that you're capable of making your dreams a reality and that the world needs you to be living out your purpose. One thing I love is to chat with people doing impactful work in hopes that we can all learn something from the conversation. Not to mention, we get to apply all of that wisdom to our own journey. Each week, you will hear just that here at the Radiant Podcast. So without further ado, let's get to it. Welcome back to the Radiant Podcast, and this week we have my friend, Dr. Sasha Shilkut, joining us. Guys, you're in for a treat because we talk about her new book, Between Grit and Grace, and she really brings her heart message to the table of how do you show up for your seat at the table without sacrificing who you are and your integrity in the process. I have found that to be a personal challenge I am currently walking through. How do I show up fully me without sacrificing who I am to fit in? She speaks so well to this problem that so many of us go through. And I think you're going to find this conversation to be so encouraging in how you show up and how you pursue your dreams. So I don't want to hold you here any longer. I'm so ready to get to this conversation. I hope it serves as a bright spot in your week. Let's dive in. Hey, Sasha. Hi, how are you? So good. I'm so glad to have you on today and and really um, thankful for your time squeezing us in. At the time of recording, we are right in the middle of kind of the coronavirus amping up. And you are still practicing and serving people every day. And so I would love for you to start by introducing yourself, telling us who you are, what you do, and kind of your story. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I'm super excited to connect with your audience today. I'm a cardiac anesthesiologist uh, in Omaha, Nebraska, at the University of Nebraska Medical Center. So I take care of patients that have heart disease that are undergoing open heart surgery and transplant. And when I'm not doing that, um, I have a very active passion project called Brave Enough, a company that is for professional women and teaching them how to invest in themselves. And my story is that I didn't, I never thought that I would be leading a tribe of 11,000 women. Um, when I started this, I actually, created Brave Enough out of a very dark place in my career and in my life. About five years ago, I found myself in a place of burnout where if you would have approached me and said, you know, do you want to do something different than medicine? I would have gladly done it. I was really, really empty inside. And I was a busy mom. I had four young children. I was rising the ranks of academia, doing all the things that I was supposed to do, checking all the boxes, doing grants, publishing, um, speaking all over, but I found myself probably at the lowest point in my life, just feeling completely unhealthy physically and mentally and spiritually and realizing that I felt extremely isolated and alone as a woman. And what was interesting is it was kind of at the pinnacle of my career in academics, where if you looked at me on paper, you probably would have thought I, you know, had achieved multiple things and checked off multiple lists. So. 
I started a small group of women, uh, a text group. I literally sent out a bat signal and asked about nine other women if they wanted to be my friend. (laughs) Because I recognized after about a year of rebuilding myself personally and really going inward that at the end of that year, I felt a lot better. I had adjusted a lot of my priorities and my work-life balance. My health was better. I decreased a lot of commitments. I started setting healthy boundaries, but I was still really lonely. So that grew to a Facebook group, which now has about 11,000 doctors in it. And then it grew to um, my Brave Enough platform, which is a company that really has conferences and classes and just helps women invest in themselves at a period of their life where they are the busiest, which is, I think, the middle when we're trying to perhaps raise a family, start a family, um, take care of aging parents, and also follow our dreams and our passions. And so that's how I wrote the book, Between Grit and Grace, and I'm launching that now. And that's how I connected with you. Man, well, I mean, you do a lot of things. So I love (laughs) that you kind of led with your own story of feeling isolated in the midst of doing all the things. You know, I'm sure you are around people every day and around women, around moms. You've got four kids, but I think it's still possible to be in a group yet still feel isolated. And I think right now in this season, we are really speaking to a very real feeling that many people are are going to start to have to grapple with of isolation in the midst of kind of needing to stay inside longer than normal. So I would love to start there, reach out to these nine women and you just ask for help. That's pretty vulnerable. What did, how did you like craft that message? Did you feel like awkward? What, what was that like? Because I think we have a lot of listeners who are like, that's me. Where do I even start? Yeah. And, and do I even have nine friends I could reach out to? I don't know. <laughs> you know. Right. Yeah. Well, I love that you're asking, you know, we want to dive deeper with this because I think it's something that we don't commonly talk about or say out loud, you know. Nobody, n- nobody, especially women, I, I don't, I mean, I talk to women more because I hang out with women more sit around and say like, I'm lonely. I don't have a friend. I mean, we would never be that vulnerable normally in our workplaces. But the truth is that a lot of times I think when we are the busiest, we feel or we get this, this message from whether it's how we grew up or how we were raised or whatever society that having friendships when you're in the midst of trying to start a career, or raise a family is just a selfish thing. And, you know, having girl time or girlfriend time or friends, is just a luxury that, that, you know, you just can't afford when you're in the middle of life. And in fact, I remember someone that I worked with, a woman I, I looked up to telling me that, and I think she was trying to tell me, you know, don't feel bad. You don't have friends. It's just not the time for it. <laughs> I think she was trying to encourage me, but I remember thinking, my gosh, if there's ever a time I feel like I need a friend. It's when I'm struggling to be all the things and to feel like I'm failing at everything. And so I, I reached out. I mean, like I said, I was in a really low place in my life and it took me about a year to put myself back together. But still at the end of that year, despite setting boundaries, despite having better work-life balance, so to speak, whatever that is, um, I still had this gaping hole of isolation where I did not have other women that could normalize the experiences I was facing, whether it was gender bias or whether it was feeling bad about, you know, my genes or whatever, whatever it was. I just felt like 
I have lost friendships because I'm focusing on my kids and my, and my family and my career. And so I was really open and honest uh, when I reached out to, you know, women, I just, I start, I didn't really think it was going to grow into anything. I just said, Hey, I'm struggling in my life. And I, I know that I need other women to help me hold me accountable. Do you want to be part of a text group that texts each other daily, something positive, let's keep it positive. And it literally just kind of grew once it got into a Facebook group, it just became this ignition of empowerment and encouragement because we are so, we have so many things that we are alike as women. We think that we're so different, but at the end of the day, if I sat down with you and you and I have very different jobs, we probably have very similar struggles and similar thoughts that, you know, creep into our heads that we really can need someone else to just help us go, okay, let's identify that's a negative thought. Let's, let's get it out of there and replace it with the truth. And so I think that you have to be vulnerable, especially when you're at the busiest time in your life, because that's when we need one another. And like, especially now as we're dealing with people, you know, staying home or being, having anxiety about their health or their loved one's health, it's so important that we connect with one another. Man, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I I think now in a in a strange way we're seeing people come together and starting to put to put words to the isolation that maybe we felt 2 months ago, but this kind of current world situation amplifies. Um but it it's really been beautiful to see people come together. Um and I love that you you've been leading the charge in this conversation for years at this point. So it started with a text thread and then evolved into this 11,000 person Facebook group. What has that journey been like? Because, you know, I think it's important for our listeners to often to also recognize that sometimes our greatest purpose comes from painful seasons and in navigating and coming out on the other side, like it takes years to actually get through it before you can, then turn around and support the person behind you. Um, and so nothing in life is wasted. Some of some of the things that I do and how I show up and serve my audience and my tribe has come out of recognizing, oh, I needed a support system when I was going through that. And they, they might very well be living kind of and developing that purpose right now. So obviously it was probably not fun to live through kind of the season of isolation and then to start by first I'm going to work on myself and then a year in, I'm going to actually reach out to other people and invite them into the process. How has your kind of support group evolved in the last few years since you started with that text thread? You know, I think that it it's, I love that you're bringing up the reality of it because whenever you start something, um, it, you, you kind of think, okay, if it's not going to be successful right off the bat, or it's not going to be perfect, then it was the wrong thing to do. And Definitely growing a a support group into a a business, a community and a business in over, you know, four or five years from nine people to 11,000 has had hiccups and it has had uh, difficult times and learning, right? But, and I've had to really pause. I do the pause and the pivot many times. Um, but I can tell you that there's never a time that I've looked back and gone, oh, I wish I wouldn't have started this thing. Um, <laughs> there's sometimes I go, okay, what do I do next? Or what? how do I handle this? But I think that what it has shown me is that humans are 
very multidimensional. And I think for a long time in my life, I put people in boxes like, well, this person's, this woman's a teacher. This woman is a lawyer. This woman's a stay-at-home mom. This woman's a doctor. But the reality is that we have so many talents and gifts and the ability in our life to choose what we do every day and what we do at different times in our seasons of life. And so for me, the journey has been, number one, I get so much out of the group more than I give. Like everyone thinks, oh my gosh, you run a group of 11,000 women doctors. That has to be so highly stressful or dramatic or, you know, whatever, cat fights or whatever. But that's actually a, a pretty poor stereotype of the group. The group is extremely supportive and they support me. I mean, there's days where I get really down about something or discouraged and I go into the group and I leave feeling so much better. So I think that it, they, I get so much from this more than I give the num- That's the first thing. And the second thing it's taught me is that we have, women are so capable and they're so talented and it's often ourselves that limit us from pursuing a, you know, a pivot or, or pursuing things in our midlife or in our later in life, because we have accepted society's label of us like, oh, well, I'm a doctor. So that's what I'm always going to do. I can't run a Facebook group or I can't build a business or I can't put on retreats for women about well wellness because I'm a doctor and doctors don't do that. Like, it's just really opened my mind to see the possibilities that in myself, but also amongst women. I mean, it's amazing. Man, I love that. One thing you mentioned kind of towards the beginning of that was you, A, you've never looked back even amidst the mistakes and regretted showing up, you know, and putting yourself out there. But you also mentioned something that I think holds a lot of us back at the beginning is what if it's not successful? Do you think that is a result of social media? Like, do you think 20 years ago we were worrying about what, like, I feel like you couldn't see whether something was successful by like how many people were involved as easily back then. And now it's like, oh, if I have a Facebook group with four people, for some reason, I think that's not as important as the one with 4,000 people. But that's not true. That's four humans were serving and changing their lives. But what do you think that is? Because I think a lot of people kind of get held back from actually starting because they're afraid it's not going to be successful, whatever that means in their eyes. Right. No, that's a great point. And I can tell you that (laughs) if you, I started, I, so I started the group, which, you know, grew fairly consistently at a, at a pace, a rapid pace. But then when I went to start my website and actually make it public, I had it built for eight months before I hit publish because I was so afraid of failing. And I was so afraid of the perception of me that would change. Like, what would people think? And and some people, their perceptions did change and they did judge me because they were like, well, what are you doing now? You're, you're a doctor and now you're, you got a, you have a blog, you, you're what? Like, this doesn't make sense. Um, so it, I, I understand that fear. And I think that it comes from a place of perfection because, you know, perfection can be extremely paralyzing. And if I was so afraid I was, I wasn't going to do something right. So I kept comparing my website to other websites or my blog. And I would say, oh, I don't have that. I probably shouldn't. I'm not ready yet. But the reality was that it started very small and, and, it, and it 
it grew. And now, you know, I, I'm just published my first book, which I would never have, I would never have been able to do that had I not had a blog for several years. So I think that you're right. It's easy for us to compare our dream or our plan to someone else's, you know, highlight reel. And we, we have to really resist that because most of the time when we do that, we're totally paralyzing ourselves, and we're not taking that first step. Well, yeah. And I had someone say to me recently, I was really struggling to show up would, you know, think of making a story and turn it into a two hour thing. So just not do it, you know? And, (laughs) um, I had someone say, look, because you're scared of what, you know, put a face to who you're scared of. If they thought poorly of you, you know, what would that mean? It would be embarrassing, whatever. And so I put a face to it. And then she said, because you're scared of not showing up for that one person, you are actually doing a disservice because I need you to show up. It changes my day. But if you refuse to, because you're afraid of what so-and-so thinks, then I'm actually getting the bad end of the deal. And that really changed it for me because there's no going around it. It's very vulnerable to put yourself out there, um, especially is. in the beginning. And and I think we're all going to navigate it no matter how big our audience is today or yesterday or two years ago, whatever. Um, it's It's vulnerable no matter what. But there are people, that one person is important. If your Facebook group has four people in it, at each one of those people have a life that that your voice might be needed in. And so I just love everything you've shared so far and, and really your whole message too around bravery. One thing that I love that you talk about is really sitting at the table without forfeiting who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, that just spoke to me. And this these past two years for me, um, if, I, if I'm just honest and vulnerable, have even looked a lot like, navigating through those sentiments, even in my career field in writing and speaking, sometimes it feels like there's a cool kids crowd. And if you're not part of it, what, what does that mean about me? Um, and, and that phrase floating around the internet in this season of like, you know, if you're not invited to the table, build your own has really spoken to me because what am I going to do? Just not show up. Cause I'm not invited to that table. Um, there are plenty of people who would love to be invited to mine, you know? And so how do you sit at the table without forfeiting who you are, even if you finally do get invited, you know, I found myself really wrestling now in this season of, Oh wow. Now I've been invited to the table and I actually am having a hard time showing up as who I am. I'm starting to look and blend a lot like the people around me because I looked up to them as the cool kids and now I'm here and I'm quiet and not even being myself because I'm being who I think I should be to fit in. Oh yeah. This is so, (laughs) this, this could be an entire episode in itself. (laughs) Okay. Tell me. Um, (laughs) Because no, no, I have, I totally understand where you, where you are and what you're saying. And I love that you're being so honest about it because what you're really describing is something that I write about in the book and it's about being authentic and coming out of the dugout. I call it, you know, there's times in our life where as women, we, we really have to get gritty and we have to come out of the dugout and stand up for ourselves or just say, you know, I'm going to show up today as me, not who everyone wants me to be, but I'm going to show up at authentically who I am. And it's the scariest thing you can do in life, actually, because 
most of the time we are following the path that someone else has created for us. And when we do that, we are stepping the way they step. We're walking the way they walked and it is successful. And so when you start to gain success being inauthentic, you find yourself in this bind because maybe you do have a seat at the table, but not really embracing who you are or not sharing your voice or not um, sharing your ideas or not just being authentically you, not using your gifts. And it's a hard place to be. I, I have found myself there many times. So I think that the one of the things that I have recognized is, you know, and you kind of, you touched on this is what is success? Well, success for me is showing up every day as Sasha. And that means that I may not get the corner office <laughs> because I'm outspoken and I'm, I'm going to share my voice. I'm not going to be the compliant um, person at times that everyone wants me to be to get to the top, but that's not success for me. So I've, I've been in this area, you know, I've been invited to the table where I've had to kind of not speak up, not say anything, hold back my ideas or answers, act like I'm not as smart as I am so that I don't ruffle any feathers. That, that got me some into some interesting places and tables or so to speak and circles, but it didn't feel successful to me. So I think that every one of us has a set of gifts and a set of it's kind of like I see grace on one side of a scale and grit on the other. And that balance is different at different times of our life. But we're all called at times to be very gritty. And we're all called at times to be grace giving. And your authenticity, I think, lives in between those two attributes and how you express those. And I think there's nothing more courageous than showing up as yourself and that being your definition of success. Man, 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 this is speaking to me because this is exactly <laughs> what I'm navigating in this season of like, oh, wow, I finally got a seat at the table. I don't know. I think if I keep operating how I'm operating, I'm going to wake up in 15 years and hate myself for not being myself, you know, and I have to do it differently. Like I have to make a choice, even if it's uncomfortable to show up is exactly who I am because forfeiting who I truly am is so much more costly than not getting invited to begin with. You're listening to the Converge Podcast Network. And now a message from a network. Money. Sometimes it's hard to make it all add up. Thankfully, as part of your Microsoft 365 subscription, Money in Excel makes managing your finances a bit easier. Keep track of all your accounts in one place to help reach your financial goals. See how much you spent online last week. Set up a personalized budget. Get alerts about due payments and save for a rainy day as you stay on top of it all with Money in Excel. Buy now at Microsoft365.com slash budget. Work supporter. What would you say to the person that's like very much like, oh, that sounds nice. Good for you for getting there. But what about like actually being in the trenches of wrestling with this? Because it's also pretty painful to think, well, if I really am myself, will they still love me? I actually was sitting at a business masterminded and there were two therapists in the room that weren't there to do therapy. They were there to grow their business. And that they sent me home with the task of, 
your task is to to wrestle with what happens if everyone doesn't love you on the other side of this, because that's what's going to happen. Like no one can always love you forever. You know, like especially the bigger a platform or an audience gets like there, it's just not possible for everyone to like you. Um, and so how, how, what do you have to say to the person who's kind of just right in the thick of it of like, but honestly, I still do want to seat at the table, but then like, I don't know if I can be who I am there. Like, I feel like in the past month, I've dealt with the really painful side of that and come out like, okay, you know what? I'm I'm on it. But a month ago, I was sobbing in a chair in front of 10 women, you know, like what? what? No, it's, yeah. How can we well, and I think listener? Yeah. No, I, I love that question because first I want to say that I think that, you know, it's kind of like, it's like everything in life, there's seasons and I think it's really important to recognize that because there is no way, like I've been in positions where I couldn't at all be myself. In fact, I was being shunned for being myself or I was feeling being obstructed being myself. Those seasons have to be short because you can't survive. You, you're, you will, they're toxic and you, and if you're in that environment, you really won't be able to live long in that environment truly or thrive at all. You let alone, you know, just survive. And so I think it's really important to recognize though, that there are times where you are going to be pushing up against the norm, being yourself, and you're going to be sharing ideas or saying, you know, I don't think that's the best way we, I think we should do this or let's try this. And you're going to get that pushback. You're going to get that backlash and it's going to feel horrible. If it's a season, you can probably last through it. If it's if it's constant, you got to get out because honestly, who you are and the and and this is really really hits home to women I think even more is because we know that women desire more than anything in the world to have people like us. Um because successful women are likable women. And and it's and that's what society tells us. So the truth is that when we push back, when we say, no, actually, this is my idea or share this innovation or I'm going to show up this way as me, we may not be liked. And therefore, we may not get success at the end of it in the world's eyes. But what we have to remember is there are spaces for us. There are places that do want our talent and our innovation. It may not be where you're currently living or where you're currently working or thriving or surviving, but it may be that you need to pause and pivot and take a different direction or make a move. And I think it's really important because I think what I see all the time is women thinking, well, what's wrong with me? Something's wrong with me because I can't seem to show up as myself and without facing backlash. Well, it's probably not you. It's probably the culture you're working in. Mm, that is so true because for so long, that is always my first default. What's wrong with me? Like, why can't I just yep. make it work? Like, why do I feel so angsty and out of place? And it's like, actually, I think I'm just operating out of alignment. Now, sometimes it takes me years to arrive at like, oh, it's not me. It's I'm just not working in alignment in the season. <laughs> Maybe I'm at the wrong table. Maybe I need to make a pivot. One thing you've said a few times is pause and pivot. Can you kind of talk about that? Like when does one even know when it's time to pause? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, it's, 
it's interesting because I kind of thought in my life, like I would get a job, work really hard at it. Someone would notice how great I was working, hard I was working, and I would get another promotion. And that was just going to have how my career was going to go. But I can tell you that the biggest positives in my life have come when I've found myself in situations where I'm miserable. I'm in a, I'm not being able to either use my gifts or lead in a way that I feel I can. And I stop and pause and reorganize and realign myself with my priorities. And then I have this tremendous growth afterwards. That's what I call the pause and pivot. But the first thing you have to do is pause. You know, I think a lot of people just quickly pivot, but there's a space in there to be uncomfortable and to kind of be in that pit. And I talk about this, I think in chapter six in the book, there, there comes a time and there's value in kind of hanging out in the pit in that low space and going, I'm miserable here. <laughs> I'm inauthentic or I'm just not content here. Why is that? And dig into it. There's many reasons. Maybe you're in a toxic environment. Maybe you're not really being healthy with yourself. So there's many reasons. Maybe you're not utilizing your strengths or your talents. And then what, and so that's where our growth comes. It's not from just, just the pivot. It's with the pause, this kind of sitting with yourself for a while and going, okay, I'm going to sit here and be uncomfortable and I'm actually going to work on myself and figure out why I'm like this so that I can make the actions and make the decisions to change my, my current situation. That's the pause and pivot. Oh, girl, man. Well, good news. I've been living it for a year. So I'm ready for the massive growth <laughs> after that. <laughs> um, I think I really am coming up on the year mark and, and it's starting to feel light versus like painful. So that's good. Yeah, um, but I, that's I think good. I think everything you're saying is correct. And when you get to that place where you have where you start to consciously recognize, because for me, I'll just adapt for years at a time and think, what's wrong with me? But it's, it's very quiet and fleeting and it, it's not fully recognizable. And then the pain becomes like a 10 out of 10. And that's when it's like, Oh, maybe it's time for a pause and a pivot. I wish I could have recognized yeah. this when the pain was a four out of 10. <laughs> I know. I know that I'm the same way. I am the exact same way. And I just think, well, maybe if I'm a little more this or I'm a little more that then then I'll be this or that. But it kind of comes to a point where you're like, you know, this is not for me. <laughs> yeah. I, I, well, I think I, I think this conversation is even confirming to me that I need to have like one final conversation where I just make it known who I really am and show up as yeah. that. Because, you know, I think sometimes there will be these people in your life that are also the representation of that. And so it might need to actually be addressed with specific people. Um, I know there's one conversation that I personally need to have because that person's really important to me and she might be the representation of a group I really want to belong to. But as long as her and I have that conversation, I will feel like I'm showing up as me. And so one thing I love that you talk about is, is the bravery side of it. It, it is, it requires bravery to share, as you say, your true identity with the world. So it does. How do you recommend someone kind of, okay, we've talked about kind of that painful part, the pause part, time for a pivot. How do you, what are the steps for someone to muster up the bravery to just take the next step? Well, I think, you know, courage is contagious. And the first thing is, you know, 
you got to, you have to surround yourself and you don't need a million people or 11,000 people, but you need a few people in your circle that are breathing truth to you and are speaking truth to you constantly because it takes courage just to show up every day in 2020 as a woman and be yourself <laughs> and not, Amen, and not feel like, you know, and not feel like you're not enough or you're not this or you're not that. Or, I mean, it just takes courage. You really need to really, really need to find a tribe or a, a few people that believe in you and have your best, best interest in mind and will speak truth to you. And then the second thing is just taking action, taking small actionable steps, um, setting those boundaries. The, when you set a boundary around how someone treats you or how someone constantly puts you in a corner or minimizes you or quiets you or doesn't allow you to really you know, be fully who you are, when you set a boundary around that, it's such, it builds your confidence, even though it's so terrifying it really does build your confidence when you say, you know, this is who I am. And regardless of how you treat me or regardless of how you react to me, this is who I'm going to be and show up as today. Man, I, I cannot um, second that. Even I cannot second that more. I really, I love what you said. Courage is contagious and kind of finding those people um, that can rally with you and say, hey, I've walked through this too, or I've been there too. Um, that compassion and that feeling of of not feeling alone is so, so important. As I, as I was wrestling through this season, I reached out to a friend who really isn't even like a, I mean, she's like a friend, kind of like a, a work friend, really. Um, and she's become a deeper friend in the last few weeks. But I felt like just based off the content she shared, I felt like we were on the same page in a very similar um, circle and industry. So I reached out to her, we hopped on a call and the healing and the you're not alone and the sigh of relief that took place was just, it brought a lot of freedom and it took a lot of weight off my shoulders and the fear of showing up like, oh, I'm not alone. At least she totally gets it. Like, yes, I have friends in my day-to-day life that literally no matter what I do, they'll be there. But I also have a peer in my industry who's actually walking the exact same path and truly, truly gets it. So I'm not alone. And that, that changed my, that changed the trajectory of how I'm walking this out. Um, It really gave me the encouragement to keep going. So I am 100% with you on courage is contagious. I love that. It's so helpful when someone else, you know, has a similar that that is that may walk beside you and and give you those additive girls, you know, and just confirm and affirm who you are and what you're doing. Yeah, like you're not wrong, even though everything in you questions like, am I wrong for being the odd man out on this? No, there's actually other people like us who need you to show up. And so um, that's been really encouraging for me. Um, tell us more about Grit and Grace. I know you've got a, a book club. I love your just, you know, front and center messaging of you belong here, kind of with everything you do. Um, tell us what you've got going on and how people can kind of stay connected with you. Because I think especially 
what a time to be alive. But in the isolation of everything going on in the world, people want to know there's a space for them. And, you know, we might all be virtual, but we're in this together. Um, How can people follow along and join your book club and keep up with what you're doing? Yeah, so you can find most information on my website, becomebraveenough.com. I'm on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter at becomebraveenough.com. You can follow me. I have groups that you can join, book club groups. My book, Between Grit and Grace, just came out, and um, we're having an amazing time in the book club, and I would love for people to pick up a copy and just, you can sit and really go through it because it's a workbook. So you can kind of dive deep into yourself and figure out, you know, where you are in that spectrum of grace and grit and burnout and well-being. And are you living your authentic life? And so you can follow me on any platform or pick up the book at, you know, Barnes Noble or Amazon.com. Oh, awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today and for bringing a message that truly feels timely for me, but also our listeners, I think um, they're going to be a run in to snag their coffee. Thank you so much. We'll definitely have to have you back on. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, don't go yet. I would love it if you go over to iTunes right now and leave a review. I love hearing your feedback and it really makes a difference in getting the Radiant Podcast name out there. And while you're at it, why don't you subscribe and then share this episode on Facebook or Instagram or wherever your social media platform is of choice. Lastly, I'd love to keep up with each other. Come find me on Instagram at Kels Chapman and let's get to know each other. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network. Duncan is here to keep you running with a much-needed taste of normal. To work, home, or work from home. With the coffee you like, just the way you like it. Whether that's a small, hot black coffee, your daily 2 p.m. latte, or a bacon, egg, and cheese croissant and a medium iced coffee with oat milk, one sugar, two pumps of caramel, one pump hazelnut, a swirl of French vanilla, and a shot of espresso. I call it my p.m. pep rally. You should really try it. Whatever it is that gets you running, Duncan's got you and always will. America runs on Duncan. Save your most important documents, videos, and photos in the cloud. With a Microsoft 365 subscription, you get a full terabyte of secure OneDrive storage that you can access across all your devices. As part of your subscription, you get the added benefit of additional OneDrive personal vault storage. Using a second set of identity verification, this gives you an extra layer of protection for your most important and private files. Buy now at Microsoft365.com slash memories.